Hey church, how are we going? Great to see you. Here we are again, back in lockdown. Uh, I have something on my heart that I've been praying about the last couple of days, and I just want to share you this passage. Uh, it's from Ecclesiastes 3, and it says here in verse 1, it says, There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, as we know what's going on at the moment. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, and a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. I really feel, uh, as I was praying yesterday, that this is a time to be silent. Uh, This is a time to really focus on our relationship. And, you know, we often complain about how busy we are, and And I think sometimes when we're in lockdowns, this is a great opportunity that we don't have that excuse. But often I think what we do when we have this time, we often go, how can I fill it? And we often think, and for me, often I'm thinking, what series can I watch on Netflix that can fill that time? But I want to challenge us because I felt God speaking to say, use this time to build a relationship with him and to build the relationship with your family and your friends. And so that would be saying no to your TV, to the times that we want to film. I, I know that's hard. I know that's hard for some to, to sit in silence, to spend time reading the words, spend time praying. Um, but I want to challenge you this week to really focus on how I can do that. You know, I often think if Jesus was here, if Jesus was in your house for, for this week, what would you do? You'd want to spend as much time as you can with him, speaking with him, listening to him. But I want to challenge you that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, is in our house. He is living inside of us, and He wants to speak with us. He wants us to be still. He wants us to listen. And I want to, I want to encourage us to be able to spend that time building the relationship with God. And I don't think, don't, don't mishear me, you can at times uh, watch some things on YouTube and Uh, on TV that may help us draw closer to God, but there's nothing better when you can actually just sit with God and the Holy Spirit and just spend time speaking with Him and listening. And so I want to encourage you this week that we do that as as Christians. And I, I think that we should come out stronger in our relationship with our Father and with the people within our household. And so let's not waste this opportunity. This is a season that we can use. Uh, And so I just want to encourage you that. We've got a few things happening this week. Um, Kathy will be sharing a message after I I finish here. But just a a few things I wanted to go through. Most, uh, if you are new with us in Divergent Church um, or you're just, you know, coming on live stream now, uh, we're going to be meeting in Zooms after this session. Uh, in our gatherings, and if you don't have, <coughs> sorry, don't worry, I don't have COVID. Um, if you don't have, uh, if we don't have your details, it's going to be very hard for us to, um, yeah, share you the Zoom link. So if you could please 
uh, email us at info at divergentchurch.com um, to send us your de- details. If you don't get text messages or if you're not getting Facebook, um, we need your details so we can send the Zoom link to you. Um, hopefully, we'll post it on Facebook. Um, we'll send it through Alvanto. So if you can email us at info at divergentchurch.com um, or Facebook message us at Divergent Church. Uh, we want to we try and get everyone connected over this period um, online. So please, and, and continuing that, so straight after this, uh, I think all our gatherings bar CDPM will be meeting on Zoom after this session. So again, um, look out, uh, speak to your gathering leaders about getting that Zoom link. Um, and CDPM will be meeting at 6 p.m. tonight on Zoom as well. So again, uh, not sure what our gathering leaders want to do. I know for us that this will be a time just to chat, hang out. Um, and I would encourage your kids, uh, for those with families in those gatherings, that to join in as well. I know for Queeman, we're going to do Pictionary with the kids. Um, so a little bit of fun and check in what people's plans are for the week. Uh, again, life comms, um, life comms will continue gathering, but again, it'll be over Zoom. So again, speak to your small group leader. If you're not in a small group, again, please email us at info at divergentchurch.com or Facebook messenger. The other thing I want to do this week um, is that because we are at home, and I know some of you, some of us are still working from home, I would like to do some devotions uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning at 7.30 p.m. I think this is a great opportunity for us to get together, pray. Um, and I'm also going to ask some people across from our oversight um, to come and share a devotion. So, again, I encourage you, be only probably for 30 minutes at 7.30 p.m., this will be a great opportunity to hear from someone and let's pray together as a church. The last thing is next week, um, next Sunday, our Zooms, uh, we're going to be meeting as normal uh, in our gatherings, at, if depending on what the lockdown does. But at this stage, I would say that it's probably going to continue. Uh, we're going to try and meet uh, in our in our gatherings at the normal times that we would usually meet. Um, today is all together, but next week we're going to try and meet in those Zoom gatherings. So again, look out for those links as well. Other than that. Um, we're going to have Kathy uh, come and share uh, the message with us. We're, we're starting a new series, and I was just saying, actually, to Kathy before this, that I, th- I think this is a very timely uh, series for where we are at the moment. And the series is called A Reason for the Hope. And I think when you're going through these seasons, uh, we need to have a reason for the hope that we have. And, and you know, I, I'm, we're going to have people share a part of their story and, and the reasons for their hope. And I'm really excited about some of the stories that we have within our church and hopefully be really encouraging um, for a lot of our, a lot of our guys in our church. And I want to encourage you, what is the reason for your hope? And maybe this is an opportunity this week is to really write down your story and think about who you are uh, and what God has done and where you're going towards and, and be able to have that story to share with others, especially people that don't know Christ because there is, our testimonies are powerful. So I want to encourage you, uh, as you're listening to the message today, what is the reason for your hope? Um, but let's let's have Kathy. Um, let's pray for Kathy uh, before she comes on, um, and pray for the people that are in lockdown. That maybe this is a time that they're going to be really struggling. So just Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we have this time 
to sit, be silent, to rest. Um, Father, but I pray that we use this time. I pray that we use this season. We don't waste it, waste this opportunity, uh, Father. And I just pray for those that really struggle in this time. They feel lonely. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just come upon them and show that you are there with them, that you love them, that you care for them. I pray, Father, that you will put people on our heart that we can reach out to, uh, Father, for this season. Um, and I just pray that this message that Kathy's going to preach is going to really encourage us, Father, to really just continue to focus on you and put your kingdom first. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. Well, good morning, everyone. This is the first time I've done it this way, so have a little bit of grace for me here today. Thanking so much to Will, Will Straws um, online, and he's setting this up for us. So a reason for hope. This is a great time to press in to the hope that we have in Christ. This is a great time to be asking God to rise up within us that hope that we have and let it push away the struggles and the difficulties we're facing and let it shine out of us. Because there are so many people out there who don't have hope and they need to see in us what hope looks like. So a reason for hope. I was talking with a dear friend of mine, a Hindu lady at work just a couple of weeks ago. I got to know her about five years ago, um, around the time my son died. And we became friends and we started going out for coffee and chatting and we spoke to God about God a little bit here and there. I'd tell her what I was doing at church and she would share about going to the temple and praying. And um, I went and helped her MC a Diwali celebration at our office, which was really fun. But a lot of the time we were sort of skirting around the edges of, you know, the really important questions of life. Anyway, just recently she got a promotion to another office and uh, she said she wanted to take me out for coffee to say goodbye. And so we went down to Space Kitchen in Woden and uh, she bought me a coffee and as the coffee came out, she got really serious and she said, Kathy, I have a confession to make. And she said, I'm just so sorry I never said anything to you when your son died. I really wanted to say something, but I just didn't know what to say. And we talked about grief for a bit and I said, you know, that's okay. I know that a lot of people find it hard and, and don't know what to say. That's okay. She said, yeah, I was praying to God and I was saying, God, this is so unfair. This is so unfair. I just want to push it out of my mind. And I could see as she was speaking that Hindu philosophy going around in her head, um, karma, you know, which says good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. And I said to her, you know, the reason bad stuff happen is, is our world is broken. The world is broken. But one day God is going to restore it. And I said to her there, can I tell you the reason for my hope? And she was a little bit stuck because we were sitting down there in the cafe and she'd opened the can of worms so she couldn't exactly say no. And I said, Jody, the reason for my hope is that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe in the resurrection. And I believe that one day my son will also rise. And she kind of looked puzzled and she said, what do you mean? Do you mean like reborn? And once again, 
the Hindu philosophy kind of going around in her mind, reincarnation. I said, no, not reborn, resurrected. The same person, Michael, but without all the problems and without all the difficulties. I was just so thankful to be able to kind of draw a line in the sand with her, to show her and explain a little bit about Christian hope and how Christian hope shines so much brighter than every other philosophy that the world tries to put its hope in. So I thought it would be a great um, opportunity today to talk a little bit more about this hope that we have, the hope of the resurrection. You know, we're going to hear different people's stories and different aspects of hope that they've experienced in their lives. But the hope of the resurrection is, is the hope under all those hopes. It's the foundational hope. It's the central aspect of Christian faith. It's the core of Christian faith and Christian hope. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures today. You might want to note them down in case um, you want to look them up later. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, Romans chapter 8, and also um, a passage from Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to talk today about the hope of the resurrection, that my hope is a historical hope. My hope is of a transformed future. And my hope is a hope that affects today. So my hope is historical. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. And then at verse 11, this is what we preach, and this is what you have believed. This is a really significant portion of scripture. From verse 3, that passage that Paul recites it's not his own writing. He's received that from the first believers. It's like a creed. It's a statement of faith. And it's what the very first believers were preaching and teaching and memorising and passing on to others. So they would have um, passed it on to Paul at the time, probably close to when he was saved. So scholars date that passage, verses 3 to 5, um, to the very first years after the crucifixion, only within a few years of the crucifixion. It's one of the oldest passages of the New Testament. It's really significant. The age of that passage is really significant um, because some people have sought to, to explain the resurrection by saying, oh, well, that was a legend that grew up 50 years later, 100 years later, that, that later Christians added into their teaching. Now, that's entirely untrue. Early, the first believers, 
believed in the resurrection and they were teaching that and preaching that within the first few years after, um, after Christ was crucified. So this is not a legend. The resurrection is not a legend. The two key pieces of historical evidence that demand um, a, some kind of explanation that even non-Christian historians will point to is the empty tomb and the appearances of the risen Christ after the crucifixion. So starting with the empty tomb, um, we've got these wonderful accounts in the Gospels, eyewitness accounts of people who went and looked for the body of Jesus and found an empty tomb. Now, the really remarkable thing about these accounts is that the very first witnesses were women. Now, if you were making up a story after the fact 20 or 50 years later, you would not put women in there as the ones who give the evidence because a woman's testimony at that time in history under Roman law or under Jewish law was worth you know, practically nothing. So this, this shows the authenticity of these accounts. Secondly, the appearances of the Christ, the risen Christ. Paul reports here that at least six uh, different people or groups of people saw Jesus after the crucifixion. And it's interesting the way he says it. You know, some of these people have fallen asleep, but some of them are still alive. It's as if he's inviting the doubters to go down the road and have a chat to Caleb and ask him what he saw. You know, um, these pieces of evidence demand an explanation and people who um, are not Christians have sought to explain these pieces of evidence in different ways. But the arguments, alternative arguments, are really quite weak. You know, some will say, well, Jesus, um, he didn't really die. He kind of got out of the tomb alive somehow. Well, um, you know, that's just a, that's a weak argument because the Romans knew how to kill people. And others say about the appearances, oh, well, when someone's grieving, they can often see a hallucination of their loved one. But psychologists will tell you that 500 people don't see the same hallucination in the same place at the same time. No, the best explanation for this historical evidence is that Jesus rose from the dead. As John Dixon says, there is a historical, sorry, there is a resurrection-shaped dent in the historical record. My hope is a historical hope. And my hope is of a transformed future. You know, I was teaching my scripture class a couple of years back and I decided I would teach the Lord's Prayer and I'd explain, you know, it line after line what it meant. And we got to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I said to the kids, well, we've, we've got to understand what heaven is like so we know what we're going to pray for on earth. And I asked the kids, you know, put up your hand. Who can tell me what heaven's like? And there was this awkward silence. And then one little girl put up hand and said, well, there's nothing there. And another little girl said, yeah, it's just an empty white room. And then a little boy about 10 years old said, yeah, there's no food there. You know, what a terrible place for a little boy to go somewhere where there's no food. 
but I was so shocked at the um, barrenness of of this generation that has not even a sense that heaven might be a good place. And, you know, sometimes in the church we've failed to teach it particularly well as well. You know, there's this sometimes this idea of disembodied souls floating about on the clouds that, that gets taught or, or recited. And that's not it at all. That has more in common with Greek mythology than it does with biblical faith. My hope is a vibrant hope, a full restoration of everything that is broken. You know, just to start with, think about the body, Jesus's resurrected body that the disciples saw. Remember how they could feel that body. They could put their, um, they could feel the hole in his hands and the hole in his side. There was a physicality to it, even though it was a resurrected body. You know, he could still eat food. He ate a piece of fish. So there's this resurrected body that can now live in heaven, but it also has a physicality to it. And that's a little clue. And we should keep that in mind as we read the next bit of um, 1, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 51. Paul says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. The perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And it's not only our bodies that are going to be transformed. You know, there's this wonderful promise in Romans chapter 8 about the transformation of all creation, that the cre creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. You know, that passage talks about how creation has been groaning um, as it waits for its redemption and that we groan as well. There's a brokenness to creation. Even we still experience the beauty of creation, but there's a brokenness to it that causes us destruction and there's a brokenness in our own bodies. Yet there is this promise. Not only will our bodies be resurrected, but creation itself will be somehow set free to be part of a glorious new heaven and new earth. And our bodies, our resurrected bodies, will have a place to live. You know, I think about um, Jeremy um, in our Queenbian gathering and how he loves to walk through creation. And I hope you're listening, Jeremy, because I have this picture of you walking through the new heaven and the new earth and just being mind blown with all the beauty you know, to some extent, some of it may be recognisable. Maybe there'll be still wattle in heaven, but it's going to be even more glorious, even more glorious. And the promises go on in Romans chapter 8. There's this wonderful promise that every bad thing is going to be turned around in this new heaven and new earth. In verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his promise. 
What does that mean? We kind of have to treat this verse a little bit carefully. Don't turn it into some kind of cliche that we trot out every time, you know, something bad happens to someone. Oh, well, every cloud has a silver lining. No, it's a whole lot deeper than that. I mean, you know, God does turn things around in this life in an amazing way, and I'm sure we'll hear many stories of that in the coming weeks. But there's a whole other layer to it, a whole um, other depth to this verse. And I just love what Tim Keller writes about it. He says, all things, even bad things, will ultimately together be overruled by God in such a way that the intended evil will, in the end, only accomplish the opposite of its designs. So you've got these threads of hope running all the way through. You've got this promise of a resurrected body, a restored creation, bad things turned around and all taken up into a new heaven and a new hope, a new earth, this wonderful hope of total restoration. I just want to share one more quote from Tim Keller. The resurrection of Christ promises us not merely some future consolation to the life we lost, but the restoration of the life and infinitely more. It promises the world and life that we have always longed for and yet never had. And then we'll be able to say with Paul, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the effect of this hope today? The resurrection effects today. I guess the obvious thing to say is that Jesus is with us. He's, he's resurrected. He's alive. And he, said to, he says to us in his word that he will never leave us or forsake us. So as we go through in this time of lockdown, you know, if um, you're struggling because of loss of income, I want to say Jesus is with you. If you're feeling stressed about having to homeschool again, well, Jesus is with you. That's the promise of the resurrection for today. But I think there's a little bit more to it that I, I just want to, to mention. Um, you know, Paul, as he, he goes through this long, long teaching about um, the resurrection in that whole chapter 15, which I've only read a small part of, and what's his conclusion? Is his conclusion that we should just kind of, oh, I don't know, put on our worship music and somehow try and shut out all the problems and just wait until Jesus returns. That's not the conclusion. Look at verse uh, 58. Therefore, so in view of everything he said before that, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you and always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. So we can't, we called, because of the resurrection, we called to stand firm, put our roots down deep, like we read in Colossians a couple of weeks ago. Let nothing move us. Let not these, these waves and these storms move us, but stand firm and give ourselves to the work of the Lord. Well, how do we do that? How do we give ourselves to the work of the Lord in this time? 
Well, you know, the power of the resurrection is not just the power um, that that was the, the in Jesus, you know, that raised Jesus. Because this passage in Ephesians reminds us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. And I think this is a great time to pray this prayer for each other, this prayer in Ephesians, to remind us that the, the resurrection life is available to us today to live and do the things that God has called us to. I pray, says Paul, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Let's pray that for each other this week, that we may know the hope that we've been called to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. So the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us in our homes, in lockdown. The gospel is not chained. The love of Christ is not locked down. We can still share that. We can still encourage one another. We can still do the work of the Lord. And we're encouraged not to not to stop in this time, but keep going. You know, our work, as we live lives that are empowered by the Spirit, Paul says, our work will not be in vain. It'll all be caught up into the new heaven and the new earth. So let's pray for each other. Let's pray for each other throughout this week. Um, that we would have eyes to see and hearts to know the hope that God has called us to. So if you are struggling, if you are lonely or isolated, if you are stretched, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to know the hope that you've been called to. And let's not shrink back. Let's stand firm. And let's give ourselves to the work of the Lord, whatever that is, whatever that is. You know, how, how do we know what that is? Well, as, as Cade said, we need to listen to the voice of God speaking to us. Maybe for, for some of us it is a time of prayer, time, a season of prayer. Maybe for others of us it's a time of encouraging people, seeking God for words of encouragement, giving people a call, sending them a message, building people up. Nothing um, of those works will be in vain if we look to Jesus. So we're called in this time to continue the work of the resurrection. You know, it's, Paul talks about the resurrection of Christ as being a first fruit. And, and we're the continuing fruit of the resurrection as we allow the resurrection life of Christ to be at work in us in this time. So we call to continue this resurrection work, bringing God's kingdom rule here and now. Um, oh, that's a funny message. Um, sorry, a message just popped up and I, I wasn't sure what that meant. We call to continue God's kingdom work here and now, 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as we rely on the resurrection power of God. So our hope is historical. Our hope is of a transformed future and our hope uh, affects and transforms our present. So I pray that you have a great week and I pray that we can continue to encourage each other, whatever tomorrow brings. Back to you, Kate. Thanks, Kathy. Uh, again, the question, what is the reason for your hope? Uh, maybe, maybe your hope is not in Christ. I want to encourage you to, yeah, look into the things that Kathy's speaking about historically. Um, and because I, I really feel that, you know, if we're going to stand far, firm in, in, in our walk, our hope needs to be in Christ. So I want to encourage you again, uh, what is the reason for your hope? Thanks, Kathy. It was, a, it was an awesome message. Uh, I love, uh, you know, the story of Kathy and what she's been through. And, and you can really see how her hope is really, truly in Christ and, and in the resurrection. Um, just to follow on, uh, just again, just to remind people, uh, we'll have a devotion. I think I got the time wrong. I said 7.30 p.m. It's 7.30 a.m. Uh, 7.30 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So join us. We're going to be doing it over Zoom, uh, but also it'll be live streamed as well. So um, again, I'd love you guys to join us on the Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, and again, also, we're going to be meeting in our gatherings after this. So please uh, if we don't have your details, please message us on um, Divergent Church uh, Facebook or um, also email us at info at divergentchurch.com uh, so we can put your details down and let you know what's going on ahead. Anyways, have a great week. Great to see you and uh, we'll be chatting soon.